The Authors on the Air Global Radio Network presents the 2022 Authors on the Air Book of the Year Awards. The nominees. Robert Gregory Brown. Allison Galen. Robert Gwaltney. Gavino Iglesias. And Marie Sutro. And now, your host for the 2022 Book of the Year Awards, Authors on the Air Executive Producer, Pam Stack. to Authors on the Air and our 10th annual Authors on the Air Book of the Year Awards. Uh, with me are our fantastic nominees. You saw them in the opening. I thought I would tell you all a little bit about how you got here and why you're nominated. Throughout the year, there is a closed group of readers who refer books back and forth to each other wherever they're reading them. They all read in this closed group. Our network only gets one suggestion a month one suggestion a month so you five came from someone in our network and i'm crossing my fingers for all of you because i think you're all wonderful but let me explain a little bit first about what's happening i think what we're going to do is introduce our first guest and you'll catch on in a few minutes carrie let's talk to robert gregory brown and find out a little bit more about him. Uh-oh. Every book I write, uh, it starts with action. My feeling is that you need to start with something in motion. If you don't start with uh, something in motion and remain static, it's boring, and people are going to toss the book. So I want something to be happening right away. Now, about Double Negative. On the anniversary of his wife's passing, Jefferson Shaw, ex-cop, retired Marine, and grieving widower, packed a duffel bag and climbed into his pickup truck to take the road trip they had been planning together before she died. Now, when engine trouble temporarily strands him in Rosewater, Texas, an impulsive act of chivalry towards a battered young woman lands Shaw in more hot water than he could have ever anticipated. Before he knows it, he's caught up in a decades-old family drama, a senseless murder, and a search for a missing grandson that soon has him staring down the barrel of a malignant narcissist's gun. Wow. Wow. So what I neglected to tell you, but I thought I'd tell you after our first announcement, each one of you have won an award in your genre. So it is my honor tonight to present Robert Gregory Brown with the best mystery novel for Double Negative. Rob, oh. congratulations. Thank and I'm going to try much. to show this medal here, if I can. There you go. Cool. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. So let's talk a little bit about you and where Double Negative came from. I know that you have been writing books for a long time. You write under several pen names and you also write as a group, for example, with the Linger Group. Um, mm -hmm. Where did this particular story come from for you? Uh, you know, I, I, you hate me to mention this uh, as much as I do, but I'm getting old and I never see any old guys as uh, heroes in books. And a few years back, I had written about three or four chapters about Jefferson Shaw. And I, I liked what I wrote, but I set, set it aside and was working on some other things. And then one, one night I came across it and I said, you know what, uh, this is pretty good stuff. I think I'll continue with this. And uh, I think it was right after, right in the middle of the pandemic or something. And uh, I just went crazy and finished it fairly quickly. And uh, I had a, probably the best time I've had writing in a long time working on that book. Mostly because Jefferson Shaw is my age and everything that I would like to be. But uh, up, unfortunately, I'm not. <laughs> well, isn't that the truth? Congratulations on winning Mystery Book of the Year from Authors on the Air. Thank Your you. medal and certificate will be in the mail to you shortly. Thank um, you so much. You're absolutely welcome. The next person I want to talk to is dear Allison Galen, whose book to me was one of the best I've read in a long time. I keep saying that. Let's learn a little bit about Allison before we go forward. Gary? I, I think it's, it's a little more than just sort of a kick-ass revenge story. Uh, I think there are a lot of um, problems with being a vigilante, and those things are explo explored as well. Um, but hopefully it's a good story and a good thriller and, uh, you know, with a story that you will keep you turning the pages. Now, about the collective. Camille Gardner is a grieving and angry mother who five years after her daughter's death is still obsessed with the privileged young man she believes is responsible for it. When her rash actions draw the attention of a secret group of women, the collective, Camille is drawn into a dark web where these mothers share their wildly different stories of loss as well as their desire for justice in a world where privilege denies accountability. Fueled by mutual rage, the collective members devise and act out retribution fantasies by a precise, anonymous, highly coordinated revenge killings. Becoming more deeply enmeshed in the group, Camille learns truths about the collective and about herself that she may not be able to survive. Well, it was truly one of my fa my favorite books, and I'd like to present you with the Thriller of the Year Award, Allison, for The Collective. Um, you and I spoke at length about this. We, I think we did a couple interviews, and, um, and you were telling me that you are a pop culture junkie. Did that play into any part of writing your book? Well, yes, um, there's a significant scene that involves a bachelor 
watch Hardy. So <laughs> I think that, you know, uh, that definitely plays into the pop culture junkie um, aesthetic of the book. Um, yeah, I, I can't really escape it. Um, I, um, I love high culture and I love trash culture and I love everything. In <laughs> and they all seem to find their way into my writing and, um, and just because I'm obsessed. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> By the way, do any of you have any questions for either Rob or Allison right now? Would you like to know anything about them? No? You don't care. Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Allison, congratulations on the thriller of the year. Thank By the you way, so much. you know when you mm -hmm. win in your genre, you're all oh candidates for book of the year. I, I forgot to tell you that part. So with that, let's go ahead and find out about Robert Gwaltney and his lovely book, The Cicada Tree. I certainly, I, I, I admire writers who, whose um, work possesses a lyrical quality. I've always been drawn to that. And um, it's something that I love and it's something that I love to attempt to accomplish on the page. So it, it, it was intentional. You know, there, there are music things throughout The Cicada Tree. Now, about the cicada tree. It's the summer of 1956. A brood of cicadas descends upon Providence, Georgia. Unnatural event with supernatural repercussions, unhinging the life of Annalise Newell, an 11-year-old piano prodigy. Amidst the emergence, dark obsessions are stirred, uncanny gifts provoked, and secrets Unearth. During a visit to Mistletoe, a plantation owned by the wealthy Mayfield family, Annalise encounters Cordelia Mayfield and her daughter Marlissa, both of whom possess an otherworldly beauty, a lineal trait regarded as the Mayfield shine. A whisper and an act of violence perpetrated during the visit by Mrs. Mayfield all converge to kindle Annalise's fascination with the Mayfields. Annalise's burgeoning obsession with the Mayfield family overshadows her own seemingly ordinary life, culminating in dangerous games and manipulation, setting off a chain of cataclysmic events with life-altering consequences, all of it unfolding to the maddening whir of a cicada song. Robert, your book is so lyrical and so beautiful. It is truly Southern noir, and you know I adored it. Your writing is so beautiful. Thank you. It really is. This is the Cicada Tree, and it gives me great pleasure to award Robert Gwaltney with the best first book. Congratulations. All right. <laughs> For the Cicada Tree, um, it is beautifully done. I am looking forward to the next one that you are writing, Robert. Anything you want to say? No, I'm just, you know, th this time last year, the book had not even made its way out into the world. So I didn't know what I didn't know, and I still don't know what I don't know. But I certainly <laughs> have learned a lot from last year until now. And it's just an honor to be here with all of you. So thank you, Pam. You're absolutely welcome, and it's to the readers. I'm thrilled to have you here. My next guest is Galina Iglesias. Buenvenido, mi amigo. Muchas gracias, amiga. Uh, good. So 
let's find a little bit out about The Devil Takes You Home and Gavino Iglesias. Uh, I was aware of the existence of, of racism, but everyone in Puerto Rico is a different color. It's just yes. like Cuba or, 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 you know, the Dominican right. Republic. Um, and, and if someone pretends not to be of color, then we have uh, our, our national question is, which means, where's your grandma? Like right. if you're going to pretend that you're white because you've got green eyes, show me your grandma and then we can talk about cultural heritage and, and uh, <laughs> different colors. Now about The Devil Takes You Home. Buried in debt due to his young daughter's illness, his marriage on the brink, Mario reluctantly takes a job as a hitman, surprising himself with his proclivity for violence. After tragedy destroys the life he knew, Mario agrees to one final job, hijack a cartel's cash shipment before it reaches Mexico. Along with an old friend and a cartel insider named Juanca, Mario sets out on a near suicidal mission, which he will either leave with a cool $200,000 or a bullet in the skull. But the path to reward or ruin is never as straight as it seems. As the complicated men travel through the endless landscape of Texas, across the border and back, their hidden motivations are laid bare alongside nightmarish encounters that defy explanation. One thing is certain. Even if Mario makes it out alive, he won't return the same. Welcome back. And we're talking to Gavino Iglesias. Um, Gavino, you and I had a lot of fun talking about this because I grew up with the Cubans in Miami and you grew up in Puerto Rico. We've all been to the islands where everybody speaks a different version of Spanish and all. And now you're in Texas and they speak even another version of Spanish over there. Um, was this a labor of love or was this, oh my God, a backbreaking task? It's, it's, I enjoyed every, every part of that process. It was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't go to therapy, so I get all of the stuff that needs to come out on the page and, uh, that was part of it. So I, I had an absolute blast with that part. Um, for all of you who don't know, Galina was also a very well-known book reviewer. He has, he's everywhere, even on NPR and where else are you, uh, Galina? Uh, the, uh, big ones, uh, NPR, Boston Globe, San Francisco Chronicle, et cetera. He's also a PhD and he's an English professor. And um, if you could see Gavino's arms, he's, we're about this big, you know, he's, he likes to work out. I would, if he was not my friend, I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark, dark alley someplace. <laughs> Although he's a pussycat, believe me. It is my pleasure to present you for The Devil Takes You Home, the 2022 Book of the Year Award for Best Horror. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Um, I hope that you're writing the next one and I hope it gets on our list next year too. I hope so too. All right. Um, now we're going to talk to Marie Sutro, whose book is, this is her second book. It's called Dark Obsessions. Am I showing it? There we go. Um, let's find out more about Marie Sutro. Uh, my main character, Kate, goes through a lot. She becomes very traumatized and she learns that Perhaps there's things from her past that have been brought up here that she needs to put to rest. 
So she travels to Washington State, to the Olympic Peninsula specifically, to go see really what she can do about her past and really how she can quiet it down. Now, about dark obsessions. Reeling from the trauma of her last case, SFPD detective Kate Barnes heads to the Olympic Peninsula, hoping to heal the present by resolving the past. When the ravaged corpse of an unidentified teen is discovered, her search for personal peace takes a back seat to the quest for justice. As Kate digs deeper, she discovers the victim was not the only one who has been taken against her will. Racing against the clock to rescue the remaining girls, she uncovers a complex series of ever-increasing horrors. In the darkest corners of Washington State, Kate Barnes will come face to face with an adversary so ruthless and powerful that it will take everything she has to save herself, let alone the girls. Oh, Marie, your book was kept me on tender hooks. It was so good. And I had so much fun meeting you in person when we were in Minneapolis and, of course, having our long telephone conversations. It's my honor and pleasure to present to you the 2022 Book, book of the Year Award for, uh, for Suspense for your book, Dark Obsessions. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm so glad that I know all. Uh, my main character, Kate, goes through a lot. <laughs> Sorry, production value issue there. All of you have written spectacular books, and we're all really thrilled that you're here. I think I'd like to bring my podcast partner, who is truly a brilliant producer, a brilliant writer, a great friend, and a great author, Terry Shepard, back on to announce our 2022 book of the year. Hey. Thanks very much, Pam. You know, the Authors on the Air book of the year is an annual celebration sponsored by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, the world's largest network of podcasts dedicated to celebrating the craft. For those of you out there, you can find us on Facebook, on YouTube, and on SoundCloud, it's very easy to search Authors on the Air to hear in-depth conversation with authors at every twist and turn of their careers. And it's so great to congratulate all of you on your honors tonight. Um, knowing the book review crew as I do, they are, they are very selective. I have also had the great pleasure of reading every one of these great works. And if I were populating the top 10, <laughs> in the New York Times, the USA Today, every one of you would be there. But now, as we do every year, Pam sends me the note and I get to open it and tell you who among you has been selected by the Authors on the Air book review crew as the book of the year for 2022. And that person is... Robert Gregory Brown. Congratulations, my friend, on I'm the double negative. That's, that's
absolutely breathtaking. Rob, I discovered as I was looking at your backstory that you and I also share other things in common in that we both have home studios, we're both performers, and we're both composers. That is the theme of a protagonist. How did you come up with a theme song for Jefferson? I don't, I have no idea. I was just noodling around one night uh, with all my little sample libraries and uh, I said, hey, that sounds like it could be a theme song for an old guy that goes around and gets in trouble. So, so do you write with music in the background? Is that how you create? No, never. I can't stand having music in the background. <laughs> it, distra it distracts me too much. Uh, what I do actually is I put a waterfall in the background. I call it my back to the womb uh, method of writing. Kind of just relaxes me to have that waterfall going and uh, allows me to think better. Well, and Robert uh, Gwaltney, you get the prize for the coolest studio design there in, in your place. What inspired, what's, what do you have that helps inspire you to write your stuff? Actually, it's the opposite of Rob. I actually do listen to music when I write obsessively. And do you have a do you have a, a a playlist a particular playlist you play depending upon what you're writing? Yes. So there was a cicada tree playlist, and sort of the sort of the lyrical underpinning was Moonlight Sonata for for the from whole arc of the book. And Marie, I know that part of what made dark made dark obsession so viscerally powerful for me was knowing that you were actually there in the place where that happened. Tell us a little bit about your journey into the mountains. I, uh, I actually started to write the book before I took the journey. Uh, so by the time I was about halfway through, I really felt the compulsion to get up there and make sure I was writing it the right way and see it and touch it and feel it. And so it was the, the most fun in the world to go walk in what were already Kate's steps and complete her journey with her. And Gabino, it seems like you had a long and circuitous route to become an author. You've done many things. How did you finally end up writing? Uh, uh, pettiness, pettiness, uh, and, and hatred. I just wanted to put everybody wrong, uh, so I kept going until I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't be denied anymore. You can only do it for so long until somebody notices. So uh, that and a lot of caffeine, and I get, that got it done. The best thing about being an author is we can take all those anonymous people in our lives who have done us wrong and we can kill them and don't have to go to jail, right? Correct. <laughs> and, and Allison, I have to tell you that um, I, I, yours was one of those books that I just couldn't put down from cover to cover. What is it that you think makes a, a, an addicting book like yours? Um, I think just basically the sense of urgency, the sense of, you know, um, you know, needing to get through to find out, you know, what's going to happen at the end. And I think if you would, as an author, feel that, then the reader will feel that as well. An incredible group yeah. of honorees tonight, Pam, and our hats are off to you because if we didn't have readers out there, especially addicts who read so much that it, ought to, that it does something to their hair color, we wouldn't have... <laughs> We it's wouldn't have turquoise, an audience. Turquoise, turquoise. <laughs> Terry, you're speaking with turquoise. It's well, going to change again. Get used to it, Terry. It looks like it's it's uh, there's a volcano above it on your bookshelf that's glowing from the actual energy <laughs> coming out. Jar, my Christmas jar. <laughs> well, I, I, 
also, yeah, we also have to thank um, uh, Grace, Grace Salmon. That's the voice that you heard. The voice that you heard. I want to listen. We are so blessed to have a great team here. Terry Shepard, who is responsible for all that beautiful video. Grace Salmon, who hosts the Storytellers, has a beautiful voice and did the voiceovers. Um, and Carrie Schaefer, who you met earlier who's also about all of them are best-selling authors, by the way, it, it, me, I'm just a best reader. So I want to thank the production team. I want to congratulate you all again. Honestly, I love all of your books. I'm so glad I didn't have to choose because then I'd have to choose all five of you. And, um, and I hope that we see you again next year, but I know I'm going to see you during the year. Thank you, everybody, for being with us tonight for this live presentation of the 10th Annual Authors on the Air Book of the Year Awards. And I wish you all a very happy holiday season should you celebrate. And otherwise, I'll see you next year. Likewise. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much.